Bibles to the book of Timothy, and we'll put that up on the screen here right now. You know this, 2 Timothy 1.7. You know this scripture. Many of you, you uh, can quote it. You can talk about it. You could probably teach on it. Uh, but in the book of Peter, Peter says, uh, let me remind you of some things, right? He says that to the saints. And so I'll say to you this morning, let me remind you of some things. And I want to remind you of this very scripture here where God's uh, Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy, for God did not give you the spirit of fear, right? But of power, love, and a what? sound mind, a sound mind. I want to tell you this morning that God cares about your mental health. God cares about your mental health, just like he cares about your physical health. We're a lot of times we're, uh, we rush to pray when someone is ailing physically, you know, if their leg is hurting or they have asthma or diabetes or cancer or whatever it may be. It's all about, hey, lay hands and the, pray the prayer of faith and we're going to believe God. Guess what? Your mental health is part of your health as well. And God cares about your mental health. And as we'll see, you actually need your sound mind to worship God. You actually need your mind to worship God. And uh, we talked about this yesterday. Each year, millions of Americans find themselves with mental health issues. You know that one in five Americans, 20% of Americans in a given year is diagnosed with a mental illness. About 123 Americans every day commit suicide. I don't know if you knew that. That's an alarming number. And, and that's something that God cares about. He did not create people to commit suicide. Okay? So there's got to be an issue here. All right? And uh, there, are, there are certainly uh, physical issues and, and all of those kind of things. And uh, I'm no expert on that. But I can tell you about the spiritual side of this thing. And especially as it relates to youth and young adults. It, a mental illness. Uh, Health affects all of us, right? Uh, but youth and young adults especially. Uh, and I think one of the things that you find with youth is that when they have certain issues, uh, their issues are not validated by us who have been through some of those things. You know, sometimes we say things to uh, young people like, um, you'll be all right. You know, it's just, it's just young people, just, just teen drama that you're going through. You know, we say those things. And we do it as adults also. You know, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, a wife or women will say to men, oh, you're just being too sensitive. Be a man, you know, get yourself together. Or as men will say, oh, you're just being emotional, you know. And there's a lot of times uh, that there are really issues there, uh, spiritual uh, and physical, mental in our soul that um, I use this word, we poo-poo, <laughs> you know. We just say, you'll be all right. Just get yourself together. And the reality is, especially young people, those things that are bothering you, those voices in your head, all right, telling you that you're not good enough, that, uh, you know, you, you, have, uh, you have to complain about this or, you know, whatever it may be, they are liars to you. They tell you that you're not loved, you know, that you can't do it. When you compare yourself to someone else, you're not as good as them. Those voices are lying to you. They are lying to you. The truth is that you are good enough that you are loved, that you are amazing. God created you to be amazing. Um, I, we were 
Back in Ohio, uh, some years ago, my wife and I, we were talking to one of my family members, a cousin, and she was just lamenting about some things that were uh, that was going on in her life. And I had forgot about this scripture, but my wife brought up the scripture that you you know in Psalms to her. She said, "Don't you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made?" And and, and just that simple scripture to understand that, not just a quote. But you are fearfully, that means God took his time and with reverence, that's what that fear means. He took his time with reverence and made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then David said, how wonderful are your works. And he said it right on the heels of saying that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So he wasn't talking about the works of the universe. He wasn't talking about the work when God stopped time. He wasn't talking about the work when God split the Red Sea in two. He wasn't talking about those works. He was talking about the work of making you and me. How wonderful are your works. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, as I said, I know that I am certainly uh, not a psychiatrist, psychologist. I'm not an expert on some of the chemical things that go on in our mind. I know that there are some things like happiness and sadness and fear and anger and uh, some of those things that, that we deal with. Some of these emotions, they're triggered and manifested by some chemicals. They can be in our brain called neurotransmitters, right? And so I know that there's a lot of that going on. But also what I do want to tell you is that your thought life plays a big impact on your physical body. Your thought life plays a tremendous impact on your physical body. And so therefore your thought life can even affect those neurotransmitters that are physical in your brain. Now it might not always be the case, but I'm going to hone in just on this spiritual side of it for this morning. And I can tell you that uh, it's important to God that you are healthy mentally. Amen. There was a man uh, who wrote a book and he was he was talking about brain imaging. And he said that brain imaging shows that when our minds are burdened with many negative thoughts, we tend to become, come on, people, irritable, moody, right, depressed. And in his book, He has a book called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. This man named Daniel Amen, that's his name. Amen, Daniel, that's his name. He he, he said this, he points out that every thought sends electrical signals throughout your brain. They have substance, actual physical properties. He's talking about your thoughts. And they can impact every cell in our body, making us feel good or bad. You know, have you ever noticed how how you physically feel when you're mentally stressed out? You ever had a stressful week or a stressful day and uh, some things have gone wrong and and you're tired, but you haven't done anything. You haven't been out with a shovel digging. You haven't been up on a telephone pole, you know, doing work. You haven't been doing any physical work. It's just you're mentally stressed out and it makes you physically tired. It, that is a truth. It, our, our thoughts and what, we, what goes on in our mind even affects our body. So what we're going to focus on just for a few moments this morning is that spiritual aspect of mental health. Because just as there is a chemical component, I'll acknowledge that, believe me, there is also a spiritual component, folks. There is a spiritual component to mental health, okay? 
So why is it important that we have good mental health? Why is that important? Well, as we just mentioned, our mental health affects us physically. Proverbs 17, 22 says this. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine. Come on. All right. I know you want to pop in the leave, you know. I know you want to, you know, do some things. But guess what? God's saying, hey, a joyful heart is good medicine. But guess what? A crushed spirit dries up the bones. Oh, yeah, it affects us physically. Our mental health affects us physically. You know, depression uh, actually has been linked to many chronic illnesses uh, like diabetes, asthma, even cancer, right? Cardiovascular disease, arthritis. Schizophrenia has been linked to uh, higher risk of heart disease and respiratory diseases. You know, I, I like to say that sometimes when you're when you're all stressed out, you know, it, it can cause some of these itises, <laughs> bursitis, arthritis, and any other itis that you can think of. And I'm not saying that that's always the case, but uh, we we contribute sometimes, uh, you know, to our, our, our physical health. <laughs> we do, right? Just as much as eating bad. All right, you know, don't talk to me. I know, I understand. All right, I'm trying to get like you, Kevin. I'm trying to. I'm getting there. But just like, you know, eating bad, not exercising and all those things, listen, our mental uh, affects our physical as well. So it's important. It's important. Mental health conditions can also make dealing with a chronic illness more difficult, right? If you have something going on in your life physically, if you then get depressed because of that, it makes it worse. It makes it more difficult to actually get healed. Right? Sleep problems. People with uh, mental health conditions are more likely to suffer from sleep problems, insomnia, and all those kind of things. All right, so I'm telling you all the negative things, right? And I don't want to dwell on the negative. I don't want to do that. But I just want you to be aware that it's an issue and that God knows. God knows and he's concerned and he cares and your issue is validated. Your issue is validated, young people. Your issue is validated, <clears throat> older people right? Mature people. God, God validates that, and he has an answer for us, okay? You need to understand that the enemy is after your mind, because if he can get your mind, right? He's in control of your mind. He can cause you to self-destruct. You know, the mind is the battlefield. That's where the battle is, and if you allow the enemy to be in charge of it, he'll plant seeds of doubt. He'll plant seeds of fear, lies, self-abasement, disbelief, and every negative thing in order for you to be unproductive and useless in your life. And if you've ever looked in the mirror and said, I feel useless, that is the enemy lying to you because God says you are useful and it doesn't have anything to do with your circumstances. You see, it's God's spirit that he put in you. If you be for me, who can be against me? You are useful. You are valuable. And then we need, as I said, we need our minds to serve God. We need our minds. Romans 7, 25 says this, says, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law, right? But with the flesh, the law of sin. With my mind, I serve God. But with my flesh, I serve sin. So mental health conditions can also... Uh, you know, it can cause us to feel down, to look down. It can cause us to uh, not get the job that we wanted, to uh, have arguments with our spouse, to, uh, you know, so many things that it, that it causes, right? 
So what does God say about this thing? What does God say about it? This is what we want to get to. What is God saying about it? Well, let me just throw a few scriptures at you, and then I'll give you some ways that God says we, we can deal with this, okay? As Christians and as spiritual people, how we can deal with it. So here, listen to some of the scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says this, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, you know this, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. Here's, here it is. Now here's our challenge. Bringing every thought into captivity. Every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. Because Christ is not going to tell you that you're not enough. Christ is not going to tell you that you can't do it. Christ is not going to tell you that it's impossible. This is why it's encouraging for us to bring our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of God, of Jesus. Romans 8, 6, the New Living Version puts it this way. If your sinful old self is the boss of your mind, it leads to death. But the Holy Spirit... If the Holy Spirit is the boss over your mind, it leads to life and peace. Life and peace. Allow God to control your mind. Many of you know Romans 12 too. We know it. We quote it. This is a New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. They don't know how to do it, folks. They don't know how to do it. Come on. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn and know God's will for you, which is, the, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And, and in this particular uh, verse, uh, well, these two verses here, Romans uh, 1 and 2, uh, you may know it, you may have, have memorized, you know, don't, don't be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. You may know it that way. And really what that's saying is when you're conformed, that's from the outside in. Okay, that's like you pour glass, I mean, you pour water into a glass and it just conforms to the shape of that glass. And that's what God is saying. Don't just let the world conform you to the way they want you to be, but be transformed. See, transformed is different than being conformed. The word transform in the Greek comes from this word metamorphosis, kind of like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly that God reaches inside and changes you from the inside out. He brings out the beautiful creature that you really are. He brings out the true you, the true self that he created you to be. Not this thing that the world has made you hardened and offended, right? And we become all of these things because we get disappointed in our life and all, and all, we become hardened and we put up walls. But if you allow God to reach in, he'll, he'll, he'll do a metamorphosis from the inside out and turn you into a beautiful butterfly. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what he'll do. Psalms 34, 18 and 19, New Living Version. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. I told you this is important to God. He's near to those who have a broken heart. And he saves those who are broken in spirit. A man who does what is right and good may have many troubles, but the Lord takes him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers you from them all. Remember, you can't be an overcomer unless you overcome something. Come on, we know that. You can't be an overcomer unless you overcome something. So, here we go. As Christians, we know the answer. 
We know what the answer is, right? We have the answer. We got the answer. We know the answer. Oh, what is the answer? The answer is Jesus, right? We know the answer. We know we love to say the answer, uh, you know, that it's just Jesus. Hey, all you need is Jesus. You just need a little Jesus. Just hold on to God's unchanging hand. That's all you have to do. You just need a little faith because if you just have a little faith, you'll be able to overcome. You're coming up the rough side of the mountain, but it's okay because God, just have faith. Just hold on a little longer. Guess what? It doesn't help sometimes. I mean, if you're a Christian and you've been in church, you love to hear that. Yeah, I'm blessed, highly favored. You know all the vernacular. You know all the things. You know the dance moves. You got it all down, right? But who are we here for? Jesus said, I didn't come for those who don't need a doctor. You already got it. You in church doing like this, raising the roof. I don't need to come for you. You got it together. You doing your thing. I came for the brokenhearted. I came from the, for the woman who was caught in, in adultery and you threw her down in front of me. Come on, trying to say we should stone her. That's who I came for. I came for the blind men on the side of the road crying out, Jesus, Jesus, please don't pass me by. I came for the one who said, my daughter is dead and I don't know what to do. Can you please help? I'll take crumbs from the table. Can you please just speak a word, one man said. That's who I came for. So that's who we came for. So how are we going to talk to them? All you need is a little Jesus. That's it. Well, it doesn't work for them. And it's true. It's the right answer. Not that it's not true. I'm not telling you it's not true. But Jesus wants you to minister to them. He wants you to minister. What does that look like? See, we have the answer. The problem is not that we don't have the answer. The problem is us getting people to the answer. That's the issue. We, we can't, we're standing at the answer saying you need the answer. They're standing over here on the other side of the, of the, of the, of the cavern saying, how can I get to the answer? They want you to come over here and take them to the answer. That's what we have to do. That's how we show that we care. Come on, listen. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to someone who is hurting is to listen to their story. We talked about this yesterday. You know this. You've heard it in seminars and we're at work and all kinds of things. You've heard it before uh, in communication classes that many, very often when someone's talking, all we're doing is formulating our answer. We know that. But guess what? We do that as Christians because, and especially because we already have the answer or I already know. I got the perfect scripture for what you're going through. I already know what you're going to say. Yeah, come on, come on. Just get finish what you're going to say because I got something to tell you. And they probably don't even want to hear what you have to say. They just want you to listen to what they're going through. And see, if you listen to what they're going through, then they'll be open to hear what you have to say. Sounds like a paradox, doesn't it? If you would just allow yourself to listen, they'll be open. I'll hear what you have to say. But if you're so quick to say all your scriptures, the Bible says, you don't even say B-I-B-L-E, just B-I-V-A. The Bible says you need to listen to the Bible. I got the scriptures, you know, then all of a sudden you're going to turn them off. That's why they build walls. That's why they build walls. We, we have the answer. Jesus said that his last words really at the end of Revelation were, I am the morning star. That's what he said. He said, I am the morning star. Now, I did some research on this morning star. I looked it up, and in the Greek, this morning star talks about breaking. The morning star is a breaking of day. It's, it's a breaking. And guess what? You can only see the morning star at the darkest time. When the time is the, when, when it's the darkest, that's when the morning star breaks through. So we know that Jesus is our hope, but how do we get that to people? How do we get that? 
And, and if you're still not with me, if you still don't believe me, Christians who have been around church for a while, why don't you listen to Brother James? I'm, I'm not talking about you, Brother James. We, li we listen to you as well. But also, listen to Brother James. And when I say Brother James, I mean Brother James in the Lord and also the brother of Jesus. So he really is Brother James when I say Brother James. Listen to Brother James in chapter 2, verse 15. He puts it this way. He's just straight. He's just coming on Main Street to talk to you. He said, listen, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. All right, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, be good, be good, namaste, namaste. go do what you have to do, <laughs> all right? But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. You just give them a namaste, all right? What good does that do? This is James, this is the brother of Jesus talking. What good does that do? You gave them what they needed uh, in terms of a spirituality, but what good does that do? He says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, results. All right? Unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, he goes on to say, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, the brother of Jesus, I say, hey, how can, you, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. What is he saying? Is he saying that I need to work my way in God's graces? No, that's not what he's saying. But he's saying that my faith in God produces good deeds because of him, not because of me. It's not because of my goodness. He's saying, but my faith in God, the faith of Jesus Christ, come on. I'm crucified with Christ. Come on, the real brother James who's with us. He says this all the time. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's not I, but it's God that lives in me, right? And uh, it's by the what? Faith of the Son of God that's in me. So by that faith that is in me, I'll show you my good works. That's why we go out into the community as a church and don't just stay in the four walls and pray that they come from the north, south, and east, and west. And just pray. We need to pray. We absolutely need to pray. But, but, but to back up that prayer, we better be doing something. We better be doing something, church. And when it comes to mental health, our young people, we better be doing something. Instead of just, otherwise we're going to be crying because another son, another daughter committed suicide. All right? What can we do? Well, you had your opportunity. Come on. God gave us an opportunity. Romans 14, 13 says this. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Each of us. Now, we ain't going to go as life church all together. And, put, we, you know, Larry's talking about our golf outing. We're not playing best ball here, folks. This is not best ball when you go before God. You know, well, Steve hit it all the way on the green, so he got it for all of us. No, each of us, each of us is going to, each of us is going to give an account. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. Not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall, uh, a cause to fall in our brother's way. We can actually be a stumbling block being so holy. Can I say that again? We can actually be a stumbling block sometimes being so spiritual and so holy. Ooh, I know, I know. It's quiet on that one. I just have to think about that for a moment. You just have to think about that. We walk by faith, not by sight. So then, if, you're, if you find yourself in this situation, what can you do? What does God say to do? 
We know that there's plenty of help. There's plenty of help, uh, you know, in, in different organizations and all of that. And, but then also, what does God say to do? Let me give you three things very quickly. Number one, don't focus on your feelings. Focus on facts. Focus on facts. No matter how you feel about yourself, know that you are special. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't let your circumstances tell you who you are. You are who you are because God made you. Even if you've made mistakes, it doesn't change who you are. You're just acting like someone else. I'm going to say that one more time so it can get in your spirit. Even if you've made mistakes, if you trip up, if you fail in life, make bad decisions. Don't say, well, that's who I am. It's just that I've been acting like somebody else. And God is saying, you need to start acting like who you are. You are a Christian. You're more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. You're special. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and never again beneath. You are mighty in God, right? Come on, we need to start acting like who we are. That's what God wants us to do. Don't focus on feelings. Focus on facts. David had a revelation that he stated in Psalm 139, 14, said that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at the way the expanded translation puts it. Expanded translation at verse 14 that I've been saying says this. David said, I praise. In other words, I thank. I thank you because you made me in an awesome, amazing way. A wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I know this very well. This is what David said when he looked in the mirror. Look what you did, God. Some of us need to go home and look, at the, look in the mirror and say, look what you did, God. Look what you did. Come on now. Number two, don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare yourself to other people. Come on. Listen, when you compare yourself to others, you're going to find one of two things. You're either inferior or superior. That's all. Either I'm, I'm less than you or I'm better than you. That, that's, that's what happens when you compare yourself. And then you know, what it, you know what it produces in you? It produces insecurity or pride, one or the other. How does that benefit? Either one of those benefit you, right? So stop comparing yourself to others, right? No other choice but inferiority or pride, insecurity or pride. It's one or the other. You don't have another choice, right? Stop comparing yourself to someone else. When you compare your spouse to someone else's spouse, Come on now. Stop doing it. Right? When you compare, I, we, I, we, Dietrich and I were talking about one of my mentors, um, this man named Frank Damasio. He used to be a pa he pastor for 40 years and uh, you know, now for the last maybe 20 years, um, you know, he's just been pastoring pastors. Uh, so he has plenty of, uh, you know, teachings and lessons and uh, mentoring and coaching and all of that for pastors. And, you know, some of us talk with him once a month or once every other month and he coaches us and all of those kind of things. And he's an absolute, uh, this man, he knows so much stuff is ridiculous. I mean, we were, I was with some other pastors. Uh, pastors out at his house one time and we were just sitting at his dining room table and it was kind of like will you please stop talking because it's just that's too much stuff it's like you know we call it drinking out of a fire hose you know it's like so much stuff he knows you know and uh, we was talking with Dietrich and she was talking about how she was with his wife one time in a, in a session with his wife and his wife was saying look don't compare your husbands to Frank 
because that's all he does his whole life. He doesn't even know where the mailbox is. He doesn't do anything else. He's never fixed anything in the house. He's done. All he does is study. That's all he does, right? That's his lot in life. So don't compare. So if I try to compare, wow, he just, how, how can I know some? Don't compare yourself to him, right? Because that's his metron, okay? That's a whole nother thing. I should probably even use that word. That's his, that's his path. All right, that's what God called him to do. And so don't compare, compare yourself to yourself. Am I better today than I was yesterday? That's who you compare yourself to. Stop comparing yourself, all right? We're talking about having a sound mind and better mental health. And then finally, lastly, don't exaggerate the negative. Stop exaggerating the negative. There's negative things that happened in your life that come to you, and we make it, I'd say it again, brother. My, my grandfather used to say this, making a mountain out of a molehill. You heard that? Some of us older people know that saying. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. This little thing, oh, oh this thing didn't happen. It's going to be all right. Stop exaggerating the negative, right? Why is it that when we mess up, a lot of times, instead of saying, instead of saying I made a mistake, We'll say, I'm a total failure. You ever notice that sometimes? Uh, why is it that instead of saying, oh, I accidentally tripped, we say, I'm just such a klutz, right? Why is it that in instead of when we overeat, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Instead of saying, I ate too much, I'm just such a pig. You know, we say these things, right? And it's because we like to exaggerate the negative, and that leads to a pity party in our life. Stop exaggerating the negative. So first of all, focus on the facts, right? Compare yourself to yourself. Don't exaggerate the negative. This is what God is saying for us. It, and it's, it's a small part in uh, our journey to a healthy mind's healthy life. Amen. And so, listen, two things that I want you to come away with. I'm just about done. Two things I want you to come away with are this. First of all, mental health issues are real, right? We, we see it in the Bible. God talks about the mind, right? I mean, someone once wrote a book on think on these things, right? You know, Paul talks about that, right? Several, uh, several of those things in there we need to deal with, right? So mental health is real. And then the second thing is God cares. God cares about your mental health. One of the ways for us to have better mental health is to take intentional action. And now, I, you know, I'm talking about mental health, but I'm a pastor, so I have to throw this in there, right? So begin changing your thoughts and your mind today by opening your Bible and reading what God has to say, right? Taking in the Word. That's the first step. And through this step, the rest will fall into place. God cares about you, and He cares about your mental health. Amen?